Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. Welcome to our listeners all around the world. We are so happy you join us. We have an amazing show today. And before we introduce our, our wonderful guest, we always have our Anikona Farm moment. But if I may first reach out also to our listeners and say hello to you in Morocco and China and Australia and Japan and of course, in Finland and Hungary and our friends in Texas and Los Angeles and Seattle and San Francisco, thank you for joining us. So our Anikona Farm moment, we've finished pruning the trees. We were talking about how right now is a great time to prune our coffee trees. And uh, we had completed the pruning and now we actually have the chipper on the farm and we've been chipping up the coffee trees. And of course, many times we hold onto those great branches and use them for our campfires on the farm. We have great campfire dinners and that's always fun with friends. This week we had wonderful friends join us from Los Angeles. And we, of course, had a nice beach day where we went to this little beach called Turtle Beach. And if you can imagine, these turtles come and sun themselves on the beach. And it's such a joy to be able to see them and just kind of remind ourselves how grateful we are to be in Hawaii. So those are some Anikona Farm moments. And thank you for letting me share with you. So today we're talking about coffee as fuel, not fashion since the 1900s. We have an amazing guest, Jeffrey Newman, who's the president and CEO of Boyd Coffee Company in Portland, Oregon. And we are so delighted, Jeffrey, you've joined joined us today. So welcome. Thank you, Aniko. Thank you very much. Oh, it's so wonderful you're here. And We are so thrilled to hear a little bit about your early days and your career, some of your favorite maybe coffee stories during those early days, and please maybe start us out how you were even involved in in the food service industry at Columbia Distributing in San Francisco. Please share. Well, certainly. So, first of all, let me just say how honored I am to be here, and I have no turtle stories. Today (laughs) is a typical Portland, Oregon day with uh, rain and cool weather and wind, but it's just great coffee weather. So, it's a good day to be indoors drinking a fantastic cup of coffee. Yes. But um, without getting too uh, verbose, I'll just say that... um, I really had a moment of reflection this past summer when I grew up in Michigan and my wife and I went back to Michigan to visit my mother and my mother is 85 years old, although the energy of a 12 year old. And uh, during that time, she sat me down and said, look, every day is a gift. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And I really want you to go through the house and put a post-it on those things that you would want after I'm gone. Oh. And I said, Mother, I, I am not going to do that. That'll never happen. And after three days, she kept after me. So I said, you know, I've really thought about it. And the one thing I would treasure most 
is this green-handled spoon that you have that you've always used to take coffee from your storage can to the pot to brew it. Because it really reminded me how much coffee, I guess, has been part of my life, but how it's really been a catalyst and provided for a time to just sit down and reflect. And of all the things my, I guess, possessions my mother has, that was maybe the most important one. And it really made me reflect on all the times the two of us would sit at a table and from a very young age, so she was able to convince me how wonderful coffee was at a very young age, probably 11, and I would get lessons on life and ethics and work and drive and energy, and um, I got that coffee spoon wrapped in like 12 layers of bubble wrap uh, a week after we left last August, and uh, I really thought about those things and how kind of those moments um, are now reflected in every morning when I get up and brew some coffee and and start my day, which I do every morning at 5 a.m., but it really helped me reflect back on that. And and really, I mean, it probably sounds contrived. It isn't. It's as genuine as it gets. But coffee's been a really big part of my life probably since I can remember. Jeffrey, that is a beautiful story, and your mother is so, what an inspiring lady, and and now you have that coffee spoon to certainly reflect on those beautiful moments together. Thank you for sharing that, and um, so you get up very early at 5 a.m. and start your day. I know you have big days, um, and you certainly put your heart into every day. Tell us a little bit more about how your days have been going. So I think my entire life, you know, you, you kind of charge through life a lot of times with a lot of energy, and, and I was probably more like a pinball, uh, <laughs> bouncing around and, and not really understanding what long-term was. And, you know, I think at a young age, you try to figure out what your value set is and what you want to be when you grow up and what you want to focus on and, and going through... Um, going through college, I think it was always, hey, get up and get going. And and the morning was always a really important time to me. It's where I have most of my energy. And and, uh, certainly as I've gotten older, I have a difficult time staying up late, but I'm always up really early, a lot of times before five. But um, it's to really seize that day and to make a really conscious decision each day to make it the best you can and to give back in some way. Um, of course, that wasn't always that way. But it, I think as I've gotten older in business and in life, it's like, how can you um, be really careful about everything that you do and not take from anyone and contribute rather than contaminate? And, um, you know, I, I think that getting that early morning start when it's quiet and you aren't distracted, I mean, uh, especially for me, help me kind of formulate, hey, how you're going to start that day and what you're going to do. And, and early on, it was school studies and interspersed with two or three part-time jobs to help fund college. And then you, I started my career with, uh, with a, actually with a drug company, which is now Smith Klein Beecham. And 
got an opportunity to move from Fort Wayne, Indiana to San Francisco to join a just a wonderful high quality food service distributing company called John Sexton, which later became Rykoff Sexton, which is now U.S. Food Service. Um, it's hard to imagine, probably, Annika, isn't it, that anybody would want to move from Indiana to San Francisco. <laughs> um, but I, I made that move and started a career in uh, food, in the food industry. You know, the, you've had an incredible career, Jeffrey, you know, over 27 years in the food service industry. When you were at Rykoff Sexton, what were some of the things you were working on? So, you know, you really learned kind of the essence. And, and I'll say learn the industry from the trenches because I started off in sales and it was, you know, my job to help get to restaurants and hotels and offer them a vast array of products and services and and those things would then be delivered by a truck, you know, a day or two later. But it helped me understand how important and how um, dynamic that business is. And restaurants changed always. They'd have busy days, slow days. When they needed something, they needed it now. And what I really learned, I think, early on is if, look, you weren't able to provide that for them there are 15 other options out there. So it really taught me, I think, a lot of good lessons in providing care and service and, and comfort and security and trust um, to, and value, really, to anybody that you interact with. And that life is kind of brutal if you aren't able to do those things with integrity and speed and commitment. Uh, there are... 20 other people out there that could certainly do that instead of you. So it was a really good life learning lesson for me and really helped form some of my early business thoughts, I think. And it sounds like you took those business values all the way through your career when you were at TVG and Clark Food Service and Columbia Distributing. Um, tell me, please, tell or tell our listeners, please, some of the fun stories while you were at different places. Well, you know, I can remember one time getting a call. There was a very large resort in San Francisco, and this is when I was at, um, uh, by that time it was Rykoff Sexton, and I got a call from the banquet manager on a Friday night, so right in the middle of commute traffic, and... Um, he said, gosh, banquet just goofed up. I need 10 cases of frozen chicken. I need 50 pounds of frozen prawns. I need 20 pounds of, you know, this whole bean French roast coffee. I need pine cleaner, and I've got to have it tonight. It's like, oh, my gosh. I feel, oh, my. At that, at that time, I had an Alfa Romeo, so it was like, I, I don't even have a way to get any of this product into my car or take care of this guy who was very demanding, but it was an enormous account and really kind of a Bay Area icon uh, hotel and resort. So I swapped cars with my boss, and uh, his name actually was Tim Sexton, so he was the son of the founder of the company. He had a station wagon, so I loaded all that stuff in there and got into traffic and was heading over to that account, and the top came off the pine cleaner, while I was oh, no. stuck in traffic, it 
uh, emptied out all over the interior of the car. It created such bad fumes that by the time I got to the resort, it was backing up to the loading dock and hit a dumpster, which just peeled the paint off the side of the car. Oh, no. Um, then I, uh, the fumes were so bad I could hardly see from all the pine oil. After I finally got everything delivered to him and he was happy, I rear-ended somebody. So it was a, it's one of those things where you go, <laughs> you need to slow down once in a while in life and take it easy. But uh, it's like, hey, through thick and thin, you'll, you'll end up taking care of the customer and do your best job with them always, and they will respect you and, and reward you with continuity of business and, and uh, care for you as well. So true. Important lessons. It's, it's incredible that you were able to pull together all that frozen chicken and all the supplies for him very spontaneously <laughs> like that. I'm sure he was really grateful. Those are some really fun stories. So, you know, it's interesting as you became involved in the food industry and by chance during your university days, did you study something that related to food service or agriculture or, or something? You know, it's, that's a really interesting question. And the answer is no. I was actually an English literature major. Okay. And I, I think it provided me at least a background to be able to work in gray area. Because unlike finance or math, you know, the, it's, it's not really an exact science. So there's different ways to interpret things. And, and certainly the ability to articulate plans and ideas and visions and to be able to do that verbally as well as in writing, I think I, I learned some of those skills at least so it ended up serving me well. Um, but no, it was, it was really a chance Thing. But what I found, Annika, which I'm, I'm sure it seems like you've discovered the same thing, is that the whole food service industry and, and the enjoyment and essence of just, say, drinking a great cup of coffee or enjoying a great meal with friends um, and having really meaningful dialogue and, and being able yes. to talk are some of the most precious moments, right? So it ended up that I found I was just really passionate about it. I loved it. I loved everything about the industry, the food, the hustle bustle, the craziness, um, high demand, the fact that, you know, that you, you learn how demanding a consumer is and how fickle a consumer is. And that if, man, if you can't take great care of, of a consumer, they are down the road to 20 other opportunities. So, I don't know, it just really captivated me. And from that very early time in, in the early 80s until now, it's just like, this is just such a great, honorable, pure and genuine industry. Why not be part of this? And, and I've just loved it. I, I, it's been hard to imagine doing something else, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. It sounds like it's been the perfect fit, Jeffrey. And um, we are so excited to, to ask you about you joining Boyd's Coffee Company in 2010. Um, we're going to be going to break soon, but I just thought sure. we'd share with our listeners what were some of those initial moments when you did join the company as president and CEO? What were they, those early days like when you became part of Boyd's Coffee? 
You know, it was a really great opportunity. We had just gone through a divestiture of Columbus Foods in, in the Bay Area, and I got a phone call. And the phone call was, look, um, we've got this 110-year-old coffee company. They'd like an interim CEO. Um, would you be interested? And I said, gosh, timing's great. I'm not that familiar with them, but love to explore it. And what I learned was here is a company that's prospered through, you know, the First World War, the great flu epidemic, the Second World War, um, McCarthyism, Vietnam, countless economic cycles, you know, the Great Depression, uh, stock market crash of 1929, and somehow was still here providing great coffee and beverages to its customers. And I thought, there's got to be something special here. And, and indeed there was. There were some bones and essence within this organization that just said, this is really something really cool and really exciting. And how do we take, and, and what I found myself, I guess, doing, or, or my role was really bringing some outside perspective to a company that had remained within the family for, you know, 110 years, and to say, can we prepare ourselves to be even more pertinent and to deal with an ever-changing marketplace and an ever more demanding consumer and someone that is going to expect it faster, better, quicker, at a better value than the next guy? And do we have the stamina and commitment to be able to make those types of things while not compromising on integrity, market integrity, or kind of that DNA that helped the company prosper for all those many years? Well, Boyd's Coffee Company is truly incredible, operating since the 1900s. And you brought a new and fun, interesting perspective to them when you joined in 2010. And Jeffrey, we can't wait to talk a little bit more about um, Boyd's company history, um, a little bit about their dedication to innovation, and also some of their beliefs that has really just made them timeless throughout the decades. When we come back right after the break, listeners, please join us as we're talking with Jeffrey Newman of President and CEO Boyd's Coffee Company right after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. 
What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're having such a nice time with Jeffrey Newman, President and CEO of Boyd's Coffee Company. And we were talking with Jeffrey about... Some of his early days and how he got involved in the food industry, a little bit about um, when he joined Boyd's Coffee Company in 2010, and we were just going to talk a little bit more about how Boyd's Coffee has been around since the 1900s and how they've spanned the various historical elements in U.S. history. And Jeffrey, we were going to talk a little bit more about Boyd's Coffee history, a little bit about their dedication to innovation, and also sort of their mission, uh, some of their beliefs that has really made them span uh, this time and history. Please share with us a little bit more about Boyd's Coffee Company. Sure. Thanks for that opportunity. You know, I, I would just say, you know, I, I think with all of this, while it may sound like it's unique to Boyd Coffee Company, I am confident. I mean, there are so many countless marvelous companies out there. And um, one of the things that I think has helped Boyd's sustain itself was a passion for care for the customer and care for the ultimate consumer. Without that, it's really like the e-ticket, um, you know, to get into the amusement park. Uh, that is just the price of admission. If you don't have that, you, you have nothing. So I think there's always been a dedication to that. There's been a dedication to integrity and simply just doing what you say you're going to do, I mean, if you really boil it down. Um, and the next is, I think, to stay a front of... Uh, growing consumer taste demand, so quality ended up being really essential, and to not compromise on those things. And, and really, there's always a quality value equation for a lot of customers or consumers, and, it, uh, and I think being able to align different bands of that for people to, to appeal to different people was really important. And the last one was just really 
treating everybody like family and treating people the way you would want to be treated. And I think that started with Percival Dewey Boyd, who founded the company here in 1900. And, and I think those things remained. And when I joined the organization in 2010, we said, okay, those are all fantastic things. So how can we set ourselves up to be adaptable, not fickle, but adaptable and agile to deal with these ever-changing business climates and, and consumers, you know, how do we stay abreast of that? And we did this as an organization. We agreed on this. We said, look, we are going to be better tomorrow than we are today. To do that, we have to be humble. We can't ever accept that the status quo is ever going to be good enough. We have to constantly get better and be more pertinent. And we have to do all of those things, whether it's you know, new computer systems, new ways to market, new business platforms. We have to do all of those things without compromising our values. And if anything, we want to strengthen our values. So I do remember the first day I joined the organization. I mean, gosh, it was kind of surprising. It's one of those things where you walk into a room and the entire company's standing there. So there were several hundred people and Dick and David Boyd said, hey, here's the guy we're, uh, we've told you about and we're turning the company over to and it's one of those oh goodness moments, right? <laughs> but I remember just explaining to everybody, look, here's, here's a couple simple truths. Um, I have a lot of flaws. Uh, my wife, Melanie, has got a really long list. If any of you are curious about what those are, <laughs> call her. She will, she will list those for you. Um, I am imperfect. I will make mistakes. But here's some fundamental beliefs that we are going to establish and never compromise on building a high trust culture in this organization. We are going to seek team wins first. We will not permit any political self-serving agendas here. So let's stamp that out. It is a ruthless marketplace out there. So if we need a burning platform as a company, it's if we can't act together really well, more efficiently to know and serve our customers better than anybody else with excellence in coffee first, then somebody else will do that. And the only way we'll be able to do that is by recognizing that each of us has unique God-given talents and um, like a race car engine, no one can argue that the pistons are more important than the distributor, which is more important than the camshaft. They're all different. They all do things differently. And I don't believe my job is more important than anyone else's. It's just different. So we're going to be demanding of one another. We'll celebrate wins. We won't compromise trust. We'll act with integrity. But we are going to get a lot better than we've ever been. We're going to do it faster because that's what the market demands of us. We're going to grow, um, and we will have a positive team-winning spirit. And really, it wasn't me that did any of those things. Really, all the credit goes to the 315 Boyd team members who really embraced that and just did it and really helped, I think, transform the company. 
Well, Jeffrey, you set certainly um, a really important example and the lessons that you're talking about and promoting values and teamwork and and pulling together as a company and um, also sharing how you're genuinely interested in building trust, I think set that tone or a foundation that, um, you know, you could work forward from. You have uh, an interest, it seems, in cross-functional team building What were those initial days like as you were starting out as CEO in working with the team at Boyd Coffee Company? You know, we weren't like, that's a really great question. Um, And here's been part of my learning, you know, like that car engine analogy we used to, we just tried to boil it down to something that, hey, here's something at least people can maybe um, realize as an analogy, right? car engine, and you can use lots of different examples. But we used that one and said, all those parts are really important, but you can't argue that one is more important than the other. And really, the only way the engine works is when all parts of that are cohesive. So one of the opening things we told everybody in the organization is that care of the customer and being better tomorrow than we are today to better serve our customers is everybody's role here, whether you are in finance, technology, marketing, operations, manufacturing, uh, maintenance, it doesn't matter. All of it relates to that. And I want to dispel the rumor that the customer is the salesperson's customer. They're just one piece of the equation. And all of us have to do our job to do that. And to do that, we are going to speak as an organization. We're going to act as an organization. And um, we aren't going to let one department feel like they're more important than the other department um, because they're all integral. And I think that really helped us just kind of level the playing field here so two things. I mean, people genuinely, I think, felt they were like they were contributing, and yes. they genuinely felt as if they were important, and what they did was important, which is true. So, Very true. Yeah. So we tried tried to celebrate wins, and and it, you know, putting trust as the foundation of everything was the most important thing. So we we had some broken trust here within the organization, not because people were dishonest, just because they didn't understand the ramifications of certain behaviors or, or actions. And, and a lot of times without communication or, or clear direction, people fill in their own blanks. And so we tried to really communicate well and be open and honest and tell everybody where we're going, tell everybody the problems, helping people find the solutions and letting people be the winners. Um, and I, and I think it really helped, and I think it set a really good tone um, for how we act. I, I think not only as an organization, but how we act outside of these walls when we leave here, if that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, I, I can imagine that um, it sort of became an overall um, value that people took with them, whether they were there at 
Boyd Coffee Company or whether or not they were outside of the coffee company meeting with a customer or in their everyday. So those are um, very important and inspiring stories. Thank you for sharing with us, Jeffrey. I think it's fascinating that Boyd Coffee Company has been a family-owned coffee company for so long. Tell us, please, what it's like to work with a family-owned company. It is no different. That's also a great story. It is no different than being able to sit down at your own Thanksgiving dinner table with extended family. Because if it's like our family, everybody says, oh, geez, I never did like Aunt Agnes. She's just mean. And, and, uh, you know, (laughs) there is definitely some of that. Um, But family business is the foundation of business here in the United States. I, I think probably around the world, most economies emerge from a family member and then maybe a family doing something. So it's a really honorable uh, and integral piece, I think, of the overall domestic economy. It is not without its intricacies. I mean, everybody has their pluses and minuses. You know, one of the things we always do here at, at Boyd's, we, we do what's called a plus delta. After every meeting or a session or interact customer interaction, hey, what went really great about that? Uh, let's put that, those things in the plus column and try to emulate those and continue doing those. And then we did what's called a delta. What didn't work out so well or how did people maybe get sideways and what do we want to change next time? So how do we get better? And it just gave us permission to kind of look ourselves in the mirror constantly, but do that real time. The end of a meeting, did we accomplish what we came here to do? Did we get done in one hour what the agenda said we wanted to get done? Or did we goof up or did we get off track? And if so, Let's note that and not repeat that. Um, a lot of families don't do that. Mine never did growing up. I mean, we were, um, I think it was never say a discouraging word, especially at the dinner table. But right. it's, it's not unlike a lot of family businesses. But, you know, for whatever reason, despite the human condition and, and family members maybe getting sideways with each other or with someone else, the family always figured it out. And certainly when the company is under those auspices, um, you really set the tone for how everybody else acts. And I think family businesses are, are fantastic. Um, not without some issues, but I, I'm afraid I'm don't know of anybody that's perfect um, because we're all made up of kind of imperfect individuals. Long answer to your question. Gosh, you're probably (laughs) going to cut your questions down now, huh, Annika? No, no, that was really (laughs) so helpful. And Jeffrey, I think it's that plus Delta um, idea that you have there at Boyd's is a great idea. And I think it really brings to homes that you're really striving to always do better. So that was very inspiring to hear about your plus delta, definitely. And Jeffrey, we can't wait to talk a little bit more about all the interesting things that are going on there at Boyd's Coffee, like 
Um, you work on development of compostable Keurig, Keurig cups, and you yes. provide certified organic coffee, um, which is just wonderful. And we are going to talk a little bit more about that after the break. So please, listeners, join us. If, if we talk a little bit more with Jeffrey Newman, president and CEO of Boyd's Coffee, about some of the innovative things that are going on there at Boyd Coffee Company right after the break. Please join us. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We have with us Jeffrey Newman, President and CEO of Boyd Coffee Company. And we're talking today about coffee as fuel, not fashion, since the 1900s. And we were just talking about what it's like to work with a family-owned company um, and how they also have a plus delta system and how they measure sort of what's working really well or what they might work on. And that was so inspiring. And we were just going to ask Jeffrey a little bit more about all the innovative projects that are going on over there at Boyd Coffee Company, like the development of the compostable Keurig cup. Please tell us about that, Jeffrey. Well, thanks, Annika. You know, you asked me earlier today, um, you know, what are some of those things that has really sustained the company? And, and one of the things I neglected to really mention was this company's amazing history of innovation. Um, one of the first companies, certainly on the West Coast, if not the United States, to actually take coffee directly to the consumer or directly to the customer. You know, it started off with a horse-drawn wagon and then moved to a Model T, but I, that, <laughs> I think that was very early on. Um, one of the first to have a female coffee buyer, and you go, well, hey, how big a deal is that? In the 1950s in the United States, we believe we had the first female coffee buyer. It was very much a man's world. So it was wow. great that the organization was able to bring some equality and break through that glass barrier, which is really important. So um, we have 
uh, the Vita Younger Award that we continue to give out to great performing uh, people here, and she was our first female coffee buyer. Um, we did the Flavor Flow system, which was essentially pour-over. Uh, Boyd's pioneered that in the early 60s. I think we were the first organic roaster in the United States, um, the first to do Rainforest Alliance coffee in the United States. So when we think of those things and think about um, the essence of innovation, and you know, and I, I think I really get inspired by companies by like 3M, whose entire model is I think 90% of their new product ideas come from their their team members, from their employees. Um, it was pretty much that type of brain trust within Boyd's um, here that said, "Look, gosh, you know, it seems like almost 20% of consumers." are drinking their coffee at home from a single-serve vessel. And at that time, it was just the simple Keurig cup, right? So we explored, gosh, we we can't be impertinent. We need to, can we deliver a good cup of coffee? And can we make sure we're giving the consumer what they want? And it, it really forced us to really think about, once again, the essence of our roots, what the consumer wants, being true to giving them what they want in a way they want it to preserve quality and to do that without contaminating. So I said, it's really important for us to be contributors, not contaminators. And it really led us to the small company in Italy. Gosh, this goes back almost eight years ago that was working on a small um, mesh based pod that would fit within a Keurig machine that held more coffee that extracted better And we thought, gosh, that's the way to go. So we explored this. We formed a partnership with uh, Club Coffee out of Toronto, Canada, who decided to buy some of that equipment. And we set up an alliance with them, another family business. I mean, they were really good. So this is, we thought, hey, this will be a one plus one equals three. And we then said our next evolution in this is to introduce to the marketplace a great single-serve cup of coffee delivered in a vessel that is 100% compostable. So we, we, had, we were really blessed with a brilliant marketing team here at Boyd's. And, you know, we believe in, I think, fewer high-quality high people than a whole bunch of people that don't do a whole lot. So we, we're kind of demanding in that regard of ourselves and of each other. But we were able to take that to market, and it's been a really, really successful launch for us. And, you know, I think 50% of coffee now is consumed at home, which means the other 50% is outside of the home at convenience stores or truck stops or hotels or restaurants. And within that, um, gosh, there's a, it's now almost half of that business is done in some sort of single-serve vessel. But we felt like we weren't a me-too we were a step ahead with being able to do something that would be all compostable and deliver a great cup of coffee. Long story, but 
It's your mistake, Aniko. You asked me the question. <laughs> I gave you a long answer. So I apologize. No, Forgive me. fantastic. The compostable element, you know, delivering a great cup of coffee while also being kind to the environment is um, just the perfect blend of what you've done there. So thank you for sharing that. I also think it's fascinating that you do a variety of special roasts, like um, recently, I guess, the Tanzanian pea berry. So you're always sort of looking at some new roasts. What are some of the new projects coming up at Boyd Coffee Company? Well, we just did a, just a brilliant – so we think back, and, and I'm imagining, Aniko, that you believe coffee started in Kona. It's possible <laughs> because nobody really knows the absolute uh, essence of where the first coffee tree, I, th- I think, was found. But there's part of us that believes that it was Ethiopia. Yes. And that everything traces back to Ethiopia. So a while ago, our Roastmasters, we call it Roastmasters Cup, and, and we've got a gentleman here who's been involved in that, Randy Layton, 42 years of just total dedication to coffee. He found a brilliant farm in Ethiopia. We brought that coffee to market. And we thought, hey, we'll just have this as kind of a limited time offering. It ended up being so popular that we've kept that in our lineup and we'll continue to do so. And it's under our, we call our Roastmasters Cup, our, our premium line. Um, and then most recently, you mentioned the Tanzanian pea berry. It was yes. actually, we were just looking for, a, the guys told me a, a really good Tanzanian they got some samples of this and said, oh, my gosh, it's brilliant. These beans are so small. They're very delicate. They've got to be roasted perfectly, as you know. Um, right. And, and that has turned out to be just a brilliant coffee, very neutral, good acid balance, great on the palate, and just a really, really delicious cup. Um, so doing those types of things on an ongoing basis it just critical, I think, to survival. Plus, people like to be exposed to, to new things and different things and have a story behind them and to understand that it's not, um, you, I, I think, it's some hidden gem, that there is something really important and hard fought over to find it and bring it to market. Yes, and Ethiopia um, is, you know, the story does say that uh, coffee did orig- originate from Ethiopia, and it, it's a little bit of a, a story where a goat herder had been um, watching the herd, and the goats were frolicking very happily there, and the goat herder looked and saw that they were nibbling on some berries, and uh, very happy goats. And so then I think the goat herder had tried it and just also found that there was something very special about those berries. That's a myth, but um, we all appreciate coffee coming from Ethiopia as, as an originating space. But um, thank you for sharing that. And I think your Tanzanian pea berry sounds delicious. And pea berry is truly like gold in the coffee industry. Those small, yes. those small berries are like 
little peas and they're very round. It's the whole bean versus a half bean in in each um, little red cherry. And then supposedly people say that, you know, that intense flavor is, is like no other. And when it's roasted, it tumbles in the drum in a very even way. You have to be careful, certainly. But some of those edges that are in a half bean, it, it might sometimes get in the way of roasting, whereas that little pea very tumbles beautifully and then more evenly roasts, which might also uh, create that intense, beautiful pea berry taste. So thank you for a little bit for sharing about your Tanzanian pea berry and some of your upcoming projects. We're curious how the acquisition transition is going with farmers as, as you had this acquisition happen. Was it last year? Yes. So that's, gosh, here's uh these are one of these things, I guess, um, you can say it's a, a mixed emotional bag, right? Um, so here right. we've got this great company with this great heritage, and we responded to some inquiries from um, the CEO of Farmer Brothers about discussing about putting the companies together. And I think it came at a time when our owners were looking to the long term, um, were we going to have a fourth or fifth generation of Boyd family who really wanted to, you know, run the company and, and take it to the next level? Or were there enough kind of coming together of different uh, market dynamics, um, consolidation? You know, there's certainly been a lot of global consolidation within coffee space. And right. might this be a good time to explore that? So we did that, and and um, you know I'll say it's it's bittersweet. I think farmers' intent is to perpetuate the brand and and certainly put that within their infrastructure and and take that across the entire country, which is great. They're certainly been around for a long time, and they've been around for a hundred years or slightly over a hundred years. Um, but it's it's difficult, and it's difficult. I think another defining moment was walking out to an all-team meeting and looking everybody in the face and telling them that the decision had been made to sell the company to Farmer Brothers. And it was a mixed bag of, I think, tears and shock and awe. and um, But it is... It is very much a part of business. Yes. And um, so it was, you know, it's, we've been now embroiled in what the transition looks like. Well, that must be keeping you busy. But I think that those initial values on your first day in 2010, I can imagine they still hold strong and, um, and you're able to then balance with Farmer Brothers' goals, too. So we wish you well with that transition. Thank and you. also it's exciting, definitely. Um, I, I think that your days must be really full. And as you start out your day at 5 a.m. and uh, you get yourself going and you look at how you can make the most of the day, you have a lot that that goes on during that day and that's that's um what you're doing is is really remarkable we're we're so interested to hear a little bit about uh, your interests outside of 
Boyd Coffee Company, Jeffrey, maybe possibly about your car racing. Car racing, please tell us. I I can certainly touch on that. I guess you know I, my my whole life has been about motion. I think and and learning and um, gosh, I I uh, I think the one thing I've been blessed with in life that I learned from both of my parents was humility to never think you're the best or to ever think you know it all. And I think that's, I think engendered in me this notion that being a student of life and learning and never thinking you're good enough um, has really prompted me to try a lot of new and in different things, you know, from scuba diving to parachuting to sailing to sailboat racing to you name it. And, and about five years ago, I've always been interested in, in um, car racing and been a huge fan. And I just decided, oh, my gosh, you know, the clock is ticking. Why not just get out there and do it? So I went to some different racing schools and got a competition license and decided I wanted to race vintage and historic uh, race cars, which is a global class in and of itself, because there is nothing about any of those cars that is computer modulated. It's down to the very essence of racing. And in the 50s and 60s throughout the world, auto racing was incredibly dangerous with really high mortality rates. There right. were no fire suppression systems. People didn't even wear seat belts. Um, those things have changed, so the cars are infinitely more safe, but they're really pure, and it gets back to the essence of what is great about racing. Kind of, Annika, just like you and, and your coffee, mm-hmm. the essence of what's really great about that, it's very... It's a very simple formula, right? So right. I got involved with that and have just been voraciously attending um, national uh, historic racing events like the um, Rolex Monterey Motorsport Reunion, which brings in 500 cars from around the world from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s to race in different classes. And you think, oh, gosh, it's kind of a gentleman's sport. It is. You don't win any money, but it's super competitive. Oh, gets I your bet. your adrenaline up there and gets you really excited about uh, life. So that, that, that really helped us with our, our message here, too, that coffee is, is fuel, not fashion. It is the impetus to get out and do something great. Um, I certainly learned from my mother and my grandparents, you know, coffee was a fuel and it was a reward and, and, uh, you know, great team members here. Some of our, our marketing folks sat down and said, those are really genuine things that we all have. And, and why not keep that a part of who Boyd's is? And it's certainly, it's kind of interesting to see how those things interplay within your own life, because it certainly has with me. Absolutely. And Jeffrey Newman, we've been so happy to chat with you today, and we're very grateful to you for joining us today and sharing your amazing stories. It's just been 
It's inspiring. And on behalf of our listeners, thank you so much, Jeffrey, for being with us today. Jeffrey Newman, President and CEO of Boyd Coffee Company. So many thanks to you. Thank and, you, Annika. You are so gracious, and I'm so humbled and honored to have been a part of this. And I hope you and I can sit down and have a cup of coffee and look each other in the eye and talk about oh, uh, life absolutely. a little bit. I would so enjoy that, and I look forward to that. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We've had such a nice time talking about coffee as fuel, not fashion, hearing about Boyd Coffee Company history, their innovation, about how Jeffrey Newman became involved in the food industry, and just amazing. All the way back to the 1900s, it's been an amazing show. Of course, if you'd like, we can continue the conversation at radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com um, and of course at anikona.com we always have our 15% gift to our listeners thank you for joining us this week we look forward to being together next week in the meantime we wish you a special aloha thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on my favorite coffee story Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.